0: The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. So my wife and I uh, live in an apartment building in uh, Gilroy. Uh, That's right on the railroad tracks. And the building is retrofitted for earthquakes. And uh, when we got into the lease, we didn't know that or we didn't understand what exactly what that meant. But what it meant was that the building would start to shake when an earthquake would come so that it wouldn't crumble. That it was designed to sway, to withstand the, the forces that would come against it. And I remember the first time we experienced what that was like was when a big freight train started coming down, cause we live right by the tracks and it felt like the building was literally swaying. And I remember Rachel looking at me going, oh my gosh, we're gonna fall. And of course we live on the top floor of that building. So if we fell, uh, you know, we'd be meeting Jesus. <laughs> and so you could see the terror that was on her face that first experience. And after the building started to shake, it kind of came back to the place that it was at. And we were able to realize, after we talked to the manager, <laughs> what was that about? That the foundation that was made stayed true, even when adversary came against it. And this morning, I feel like I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. For those of you who are are new to uh, Morgan Hill Bible Church, we are so glad that you're here. And our hope and our prayer is that you would experience that vital relationship with Jesus that so many of us have experienced. That you would recognize and know the love, the grace, and the truths of God's word. That you would build deep relationships and that you would experience the salvation and the hope that only comes through Christ. Like many of us who have been in this season of experience, or in the years that have been here. But for those of you who have been here, maybe not so new, and you've experienced this last year with us, you probably feel like my, my wife did when that first time that train came by and feeling as if the foundation is shaking and and wondering maybe at some point, does that mean it's going to crumble? And the truth is the answer is no. And the answer is because for 20 plus years, we've had men and women serve on staff and we've had amazing pastors of Pastor Charlie and Pastor Dave and the elders build a foundation that will not be shaken by what the enemy was trying to bring against us that what they have laid before us is what we can stand strong on. And so we give them thanks, just like we give all the people who have stood here on this platform or served online or in classrooms because they have provided the foundation to help us get through all seasons of life. But that doesn't mean mean that this hasn't been hard. And so what do you do when it's hard? What do you do? And so quickly, I just wanna, there's two thoughts that came to mind. Uh, First was in the book of Lamentations. Um, This book is a short book. uh, It's only got five chapters in it. And it's honestly a cry of someone who's going through extreme hardship. They've experienced what many people could not even possibly imagine. And they're trying to process the devastation and, and what I love about this, and I'm not gonna read through it all because, or read it because it's a lot. So I encourage you to do so if you'd like to, but it gives us some wisdom on what to do when hard seasons take place. Lamentations writer first starts off in chapter one by expressing what he sees. He, he takes the time to look at what's taking, that's taking place around him and just shares it. And what I think is so powerful about this truth is like, if we really want to heal, we first have to feel. We have to feel. I mean, we have to acknowledge what's going on about it. And whether that means you got to throw plates around or just vent, we got to do it because that's the first process of healing. But then he goes on into chapter two and he takes what were statements in chapter one and turns them into questions, questions that are pointed towards God. And I think... That's such a powerful thing because we can get stuck in our statements and realize that we might be missing out on what God is trying to do here. And so what we see in that is that when hard seasons come, we have to turn our statements into questions. The things that I was right, they were wrong. These these bold statements that we make in hard seasons and start to ask the question, what am I missing? What should I be looking for? God, what are you trying to accomplish? God, how can I look at the situation in your lens and not my own? And in hard seasons that we are called to make not statements, but questions. The, The third thing that the Lamentations writer shows us in chapter three is that we have to turn to the hope that is only found in the truths of God's word. It's the hope that cannot be given to us through anything on this planet. It only comes from him. And what's so interesting about chapters four and chapters five is they are repeats of chapters one and two. And I think the, the beauty of this is it's telling us that healing is not something that is just follow step A, step B, step C, it's circular. So there's gonna be moments and seasons when we are gonna be having to go through cycles of this process of feeling, of turning statements into questions and then looking towards the hope of Christ. And that is what we should be always be doing, is doing that as we process everything that's going on. And we should look into those things for it. And what I love about those truths is Jesus walked those out in the process when he was healing um, Lazarus, his friend. Devastating situation. And in that story, Jesus walks through those things. He first gets emotional, He, he feels it. It's the shortest passage in scripture, Jesus wept, right? He felt it. Then he turned people's statements. If you were just here, if we would've done this way, to questions, do you see what I can do? Will you be able to look towards me and he turns to hope. But the thing that he added to that is that he unified the people around him. He brought the community together and says, we will do hard together. And so those are the three, four things that we should look for in hard seasons. We should be honest about where we're at. We should take statements and point them to Christ and to his word, make them into questions. We should look for him for the answers of hope and we should be united as the church in those hard seasons. And so, I want to take a moment for us to do that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a moment. I'd, normally I'd say, reach out to the person next to you, but because of COVID, don't touch the people next to you. Um, but for a moment, I want you to extend your hands to the people around you. And, and in that, take moments to look at them and to pray. Pray. You don't know what's going on in their world. You have no idea what they're facing, but you can say, I'm unified with you, and I will pray alongside you in your pain or in your hope. I will be unified with you because we are one church body, and so no matter if I don't fully agree with you or see eye to eye to you, you're still a son or daughter of Christ, and so I'm going to support you and challenge you to continue to serve Him and go towards Him. And so take. Th- Take 30 seconds right now and pray for the people around you. Now take a moment to pray the truths and the promises of God that the gates of hell cannot prevail over his church or his people. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word and that your word is a reminder that you will not forsake us. And God, in hard seasons of life, let us look towards you where our hope comes from and look at, let us look towards the people in our community to help us in the process. God, we long to stand united in anything that we face. And so Lord, we pray that you would continue to unite us in all seasons. God, we need you. We need you to be the breath in our lungs, the blood in our veins. We need you to be the hope of our life. So God, will you do that? Will you stand firm on the truths that you wrote in your word? That when we are weak, you are strong. That when we are hurting, you are near. That when we are anxious, you are our peace. And that when we don't know the steps to take, you are our guide. God, we pray that you would walk beside us and through us in this season. So God, we love you. Give you thanks. and our name we pray, amen. So the next uh, few moments that I have with you, I'm going to do a uh, <laughs> the cliff note version of the text that you have in in those little handouts. And so, uh, why don't we take some time to read these truths? Acts chapter 20. Uh, they're in your little pamphlets if you got it. We're going to be starting in verse 17. Now, from Lydus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. This is Paul. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know that I've lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. And how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in the public and from house to house testifying both to the Jew and to the Greeks of repentance towards God, of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that an imprisonment and affliction await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor... "'Nor as precious to myself, "'if only I may finish the course "'and minister that I received from the Lord Jesus "'to testify to the gospel of God's grace. "'And now behold, I know that none of you among whom, I am gone, "'among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom "'will ever see my face again. "'Therefore, I testify to you this day "'that I'm innocent of the blood of all of you, "'for I did shrink from declaring to you "'the whole counsel of God.'" Pay attention or pay careful attention to yourselves, to all the flock in the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know after my departure, fierce wills will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away from the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remember, for these three years, I did not cease day or night to uh, admonish anyone with tears. And now I command you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I, can, for no one, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these "'Hands ministered to my necessities "'and to those who were with me. "'In all things, I've shown you "'that by the working hand and the way we must help "'the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, "'and how he said it is more of a blessing "'to give than receive. "'And when he said these things, "'he knelt down and prayed with them, "'and there was much weeping on their part of all. "'They embraced Paul and kissed him, "'being sorrowful sorrowful most of all "'because of the word he had spoken.' and they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. So Paul has just spent the last three years pouring out his heart and his soul to the community that he was in, and it is clear that his timing is to continue to move forward. And so before he leaves, he calls the elders of his church together and says, I want you to come with me outside of the town that we've been in so I can give you some instructions, the target in which you should be living towards and striving for. In many ways, he was handing the baton of his work off like a 400-meter runner racer to the person in front of him and saying, it's your turn. And in these words, we figure out or see some really big foundations or some targets that all Christ followers should follow. And what I think is so fascinating about this text is that this is the only sermon given in the book of Acts written to Christians. All the other ones were to non-believers. And so Paul clearly lays out some big things. so he starts off in, in, um, in this by saying, Christ followers should humbly serve the Lord. We saw that in verses 18 and 19. And, and I, I think this is one of those obvious things for us. If you've been around church at any amount of time, you have probably heard those words, you need to humbly serve the Lord. And yet, I wonder if we understand what those mean. Because I can serve someone or something for the wrong reasons, I can do it in hopes that I could be a benefactor from it and that my work towards you or towards them is happening because of what I can gain from it. And maybe you see that in the workplaces that you're at or maybe for the students here, you've seen it in school. Um, We have a term called brown nosing, right? Like they're serving what? In hopes that they would get something in return. And I think oftentimes we walk in our Christian life that way. We are serving him maybe for the wrong reasons, but humbly serving the Lord is something completely different. Humility, by definition, is not thinking of yourself as a less than person, meaning you're not belittling yourself to make you not as good as the people around you. Humility is thinking of yourself less often. It's thinking of yourself less often. And so what it means to humbly serve the Lord, it means that you would not be thinking so much about your will and your desires that you would be thinking about God's wills and God's desires. That you would be laying down yourself before him and saying, God, what do you want? Not what can I get? And for Paul, that was the foundation mark of everything that he did. From the start of his ministry to the end of his ministry, he lived that out. He believed that humbly serving the Lord was to lay down everything he had and to seek God's truths in his word so that he would know what he must to do. The second thing that we see is Christ followers are to be active in the community they are in in verse 18, it said that you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia. Paul has been now doing this for roughly 28 years. He's been doing ministry for 28 years and and you could have easily said from the the experience that he had that he would do the, the mundane tasks and hand those off to other people and say, This is your job. But for Paul, he said, no, I am called to be an active member in my community. That I need to actually come alongside and serve the people around me, no matter how long I've been doing this or no matter what prestige I hold. That I am never too good from serving. See, we here at MHBC have a statement that says, everyone plays. And it's coming from this view that God calls us to be together, to use the gifts that we have to bring glory to the community we in, our community as a church and the community that God has placed us in, MHBC or Morgan Hall, Gilroy, or even in your workplaces, and that God has called you to use the gifts as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, for the common good. And so are you? Are you using the gifts God has given you to help the common good or are you hoarding your gifts for yourself? Are you hoarding your gifts for your small group, for your tight family? Or are you saying, God, these are the gifts you've given me. Let me serve you with them. See, God calls us not to be people on the sidelines. He calls us to be in the game. And too often the Christians come to to a Sunday service and it's like getting inside the huddle of a football call and, and say, all right, here's the play. And then they leave and go back on the bench instead of on the field. God calls us to get into the play and then activate that play, not get in the huddle and then go back to the bench. We are all called to serve. And that service comes from the foundation of humbly serving God. The third thing that we see here is that Christ's followers are called to be bold and not timid. Two different times. In verses 20 and 21 and 26 and 27, Paul talks about that he was not afraid of boldly proclaiming the truth of Christ to the people around him. That he wasn't afraid of the person he was speaking to. He was more afraid of the God he worshiped. And too often it's the other way. We get so consumed with what people are going to think and what people are going to say about us that when it comes to, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus, we back off. Oh, what's that going to mean for my life? How are they going to think about me at work? What are my friends going to say? And so instead, he says that he boldly proclaims the truth. So much so that he says, my hands are free of your blood because I've laid everything I possibly could about the truths of Jesus in your lap. So it's you that have to make the choice now. And that's the call of every believer is to, to through our foundation of, of humbly serving the Lord, to be boldly proclaiming the truths of God, not have truths, hold truths. And my challenge for you is if this is a struggle, Maybe it's time to really look in the mirror and say, how big is your God? Because if you're more afraid of the people you're communicating to you, they're probably the God you're worshiping. Because you're more afraid of them than you are of of the God of Scripture, Yahweh, of Jesus. See, Paul had a healthy fear, a healthy understanding of what it means to fear the Lord. Fearing the Lord means to be fully reverent on God, but also be fully in terror of him. He is both. He's an all-powerful, almighty God who in an instant radically created this world, but at the same time, he's a God who came to our level to love us. So I can fully be afraid of God in terror, but I can also at the same time be full in awe of his love and mercy and grace for us. And that's what motivated Paul He also tells us that Christ's followers are to trust the Holy Spirit even when it doesn't make sense or becomes uncomfortable. It tells us in in verses 22, uh, that now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. That statement seems so counterintuitive to the world we live in. See, we worship comfort and we worship not being in uncomfortable situations and we'll go out of our way to do that. And yet, how many of you have ever sat in a big comfy room with all the things you could possibly ever want and still feel uneasy? How many of you have been on a vacation and still have anxiety about the things that are happening back at home? See, we pursue external comforts when God promises us internal comforts, the ones that actually provide us hope, the ones that actually give us peace, the ones that actually give us the ability to continue to step forward and so we can trust that the Holy Spirit will provide us the peace that surpasses all understanding as it says in Philippians 4. That he will be our comfort and our guide in whatever we face. And so are you leaning into the external comforts of this world or are you leaning into the one who can truly comfort your soul? because when I fully trust in the Lord, he will provide me what I need. And so Paul could walk confidently recognizing, understanding that God would get him there. The next thing that we see is that Christ's followers are observant of what's going on around them, but they are not afraid. When you look through this, Paul two different times talks about some of the hardships they will face and he will face. And yet he says to not fear or he shows us that he does not fear. He, right, he warns them in verses 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock, And from among you yourselves arise men who speak twisted things to draw away the disciples. Therefore be alert, remembering for the three years that I did not cease night or day to demolish everyone with tears. He says like, even though I've, he also told, sorry, that he also told us that he was in constant trial there. There are Jews constantly trying to plot against him. And yet in the midst of all that, he could stand firm and not afraid, not be shaken because he knew the God he served was greater than the things he faced. And so as Christ followers, we can trust the Holy Spirit, even when it's uncomfortable, it doesn't make sense. And we can trust the Holy Spirit because he will help us not become afraid. The next thing that we see here is that Christ followers are called to give more than they take. To give more than they take. Paul tells us in verse 33 I never coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. And you yourselves know that these hands minister the necessities to those who were with me. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in the, this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord it is more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. When Paul was in this church for three years, he didn't ask anything of them. He didn't ask for help. He chose to work with his hands. Now it doesn't mean that you can't get help from the church. He sees this in other times, but in this situation, he's reminding us this truth: that as Christ's followers, we should be giving more than we should be taking from people. And yet this goes so countercultural to the American way. We live in a consumer reality. Our world is founded on debt. At least in America it is. And the reason we do that is because there is this belief of, if I get more, I'll be happy. And so I consume and consume and consume and I can actually take more than I give. But it's not satisfying. This last year in COVID, if um, if we all understood this as, as, as just as a, in the United States, that it was better to give, to look out towards the people around you than to consume yourself, we wouldn't have had a toilet paper shortage. Uh, we wouldn't be putting gasoline in tanks because we were afraid we might not have gas. Right? We wouldn't be out of there's Dr. Dr Pepper outage this year, like. Like, there are weird things, really weird things that took place, but it became from this idea that I need to consume more than I need to give. See, when I think of other people in mind, I take the bare minimum of the things that are just exactly what I need for me and my family and not hoard. So, as Christ followers are called to give more than it is to receive. And then lastly, we see that as Christ followers were called to do hardship together. After the end of all, of this, this, this sermon, it says that these men went to a beach or, or sitting on the beach, which I'm going to be honest, that's amazing. Like, could we have a beach day uh, sermon? That'd be awesome. Uh, and they wept together, that they recognized what was happening, what was going to take place and knew that the transition was going to be hard. And so instead of saying, sorry, they came united together and prayed. They locked arms with one another and said, we will do this together. See, as Christ's followers, we're called to do hard together. We're called to do the hard things together. This is the message. The foundation that Paul told this church to live by and the question becomes, is this the foundation you live by? What are you standing on? When Jesus walked on this earth, he gave a sermon of someone who puts their feet on solid ground and someone who puts their hand on sinking or their feet on sinking sand. We just talked through what it meant to stand on solid ground. And so where are you? Where are you in this? Are you trusting God? Are you humbly serving him? Are you being an active participant in the community around, him, around you? Are you giving more than you receiving? Or are you taking? Are you putting more trust in a government system, and a doctor, and a job? Because all of those things will sink. It's only in Christ and in Christ alone that you will stand strong. So as you go about this week, take moments to process. Where am I standing? What's the foundation that I'm on? Is it designed to take on the world around me or is it going to crumble because of what I experienced? Christ will be your sustainer in all seasons and in all places if he is your foundation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and ask that you would be our hope in all seasons and all circumstances. Lord, we recognize that this is what we really need more than anything else. And so God, I ask and pray that we would rest assured on your saving grace, that we would have solid foundation on you and you alone, that no matter what we face or what comes against us, that we can recognize that you are doing something You told your disciples in Matthew 16 that the gates of hell cannot prevail over his church and his people. And so let us rest into that today. God, we love you. We need you. And we give you thanks. Amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.